I am not Grant Call. Uh, it may, may come as a great surprise to some of you. Uh, I'm John Gill. I'm one of the elders here. And I have the great privilege of uh, speaking with you this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for that opportunity. Welcome also to Family Sunday. Uh, so we've got a lot of kids in here that normally wouldn't be in here. I've entitled this morning, uh, Maximum Joy, Living 2018 in Light of Eternity. And I, I could have also entitled it, Living on Purpose in 2018, or maybe Making Smart Choices in 2018. It's, it's maybe a little presumptuous for me to tell you how to live, right? Um, and I can't, I'll admit, I, I can't tell you God's specific plan for you. Uh, but he does give us principles to live by. And his word shows us that living life in light of eternity will also bring us the maximum amount of joy in our lives. So uh, maybe I'll start by asking you, how do you feel about the new year? Is it something that gives you excitement? Is it a time for new beginnings? Um, I think some of us feel a, a sort of a permission to try new things in the new year. Well, maybe I'll turn over that new leaf. Um, are you resolution makers? Um, I haven't been typically, but, but maybe it is still a time for change. I guess what I am is uh, one that takes stock. You know, maybe it seems for me it's, it's birthdays and New Year's. That are times of slowing down for a moment and taking stock of where I am and where I want to be. So USA Today, uh, on the 20th of this month, uh, reported the Marist poll of common resolutions for 2018. And uh, about 40, apparently about 44% of us uh, plan to make some sort of change in 2018. So of 100 people surveyed, top eight answers are on the board. Uh, <clears throat> So, seven and eight are tied. Uh, six of a hundred people said stop smoking or spend less and save more money. Number six, seven, seven of a hundred people said they would improve their over, overall health. Then there was a three-way tie. Nine people out of a hundred said either exercise, eat better, or get a better job. Anybody got an idea of what's left? <laughs> I think it's, it's, you can guess pretty well. Number two, lose weight, 12 out of 100, sure. And number one, actually tied with number two, be a better person. That's kind of vague. but uh, So that's what, what people resolve. Now, the, interestingly, the same poll, they said, hey, if you did a resolution in 2017, did you keep it? Um, so that wasn't maybe quite as good an outcome. 68 of 100 people that made a resolution kept part of it, okay? So maybe you're one of those people that avoids making a commitment because it hasn't worked out so well in the past. You know, well, I don't, I don't know, I'm not going to follow through with it. So when we pursue resolutions like, or things like that, why do we do that? I think at its base, at least a part of it is because we want better life. We want a happier and more fulfilled life. Even if it's somebody that's nagging us to do something and we decide to resolve something differently, ultimately what we're wanting is a more fulfilled life. We're wanting a better relationship with that person, right? So we're doing a resolution, we're doing a change because we want life to be better. We we're going to put some effort into something because we, what we feel it will bring us. 
So this morning, I'd like to explore with you what God's Word says about how we can live life in light of eternity, how He tells us to be smart and purposeful about how we invest ourselves and our resources as we're looking for happiness and fulfillment in 2018. And along the way, we'll also find that this is the path to finding maximum joy in our lives. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 6 and see Jesus' words to us. This is Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So three short verses, and there's three parts in it. Basically, he starts and says, tells us what not to do, which also happens to be our default mode of approaching life, what we tend toward if we don't think about it. Then he tells us what to do, and then he tells us how to change our motivations so that we want to do what he tells us to do. So he starts start with this first verse. He tells us that earthly treasure is only temporary. In our default mode, you know, we tend to, to default to things rather than spiritual things. Our default mode brings only temporary benefits. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now this do not lay up, or if you look in NASB, it says do not store up. It's a negative present imperative. It's a stop doing this. All right. It's taking something that you have been doing and saying, stop it. We don't want to do this. Um, They're stopping an action that's already gone on. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures. Now, the background behind this is a treasure chest. I would bet pretty good money that if I went to all of your houses, none of you have a treasure chest like that sitting in your house. And that's sort of intentionally vague because our treasures are different for different ones of us. But treasure in this particular sense really is, from, is referring to accumulated wealth in the form of money, jewels, and other value, valuables. Now we're going to see as we go on other places in this same scripture, he's expanded and he's talking about all sorts of other things. He's talking about recognition. He's talking about other things. But... In this particular short piece of the passage, he is talking about our, our financial treasure. And in, in biblical times, that might even include your clothing. You know, we go to an academy and get a $6 shirt, or at least I do. Um, and uh, in, in biblical times, everything had to be handmade, right? And if you were wealthy, sometimes even your clothing was a place to store your, uh, your gold. And so you would have your, some of your gold threads woven into your clothing. So it's a way to store your clothing. You don't have banks. You don't have investments as much. So maybe I should ask you first, how have you done in 2017? How have you invested your treasure? And has it brought fulfillment and joy? What about, what are some ways we invest our treasure? Stuff? You know? What about last year's Christmas presents? How many of y'all remember last year's Christmas presents? First of all. Um... And of the things you remember that you were really excited about getting, did they bring the satisfaction that you thought they would bring? The lasting satisfaction. Or maybe I should 
you know, maybe, well, maybe it's just going back six days. Are there some things that you were really looking forward to getting that already are losing a little of their luster? That's cool to have, but, you know, it's not satisfying me fully, right? What about, well, I got a new car. I wanted that new car for a long time. I bought some new things. I invested in a different way. Started a new business venture. Got a new job. Did something to protect my future. Okay? What about other things, other ways we look for happiness and fulfillment in life? Maybe like recognition, getting a promotion at work, uh, at school, getting elected to some position, getting on a sports team, doing well in a sport. Um, what about social media? Being, getting likes, you know, that post you put up and you really wanted a, a bunch of people to like it and it kind of bombed? Hmm, how did that feel? <laughs> how much do we let that let us, make us go up and down? What about experiences? Well, we saved and saved and we took that big vacation. A hobby, sports, some big accomplishment. Relationships, like a friend or maybe a romantic relationship we've been looking forward to or a new group to hang out with at school or on a team what if it's what if you put a uh, a sentence up and it said if i could just blank then i would be happy what would you put in that blank what goes in that blank because whatever goes in that blank might be where you put your treasure might be where I put my treasure. It's a little barometer on our heart. There was a guy who tried almost all of these to try satisfaction. Um, we heard him about him just a few weeks ago. His name was Solomon in Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes 2.1 he says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. And then when we read all the, as you remember when Grant preached about this, if you read all the verses around it, what was he looking for? Well, he had tried wine and houses and living in luxury and having a bunch of wives and possessions and silver and gold and doing big works projects and accomplishing great things. And then he said, and it was all vanity. Didn't bring satisfaction. And none of these things we've talked about are sinful, right? They're not, they're, none of them are sinful, but they're also not able to provide lasting happiness in of themselves. And in the middle of this, you know, we need to acknowledge that for some of us, this has been, it's difficult to think about how we've been seeking happiness this year. Because really, we feel like this has been a year of just seeking survival. Um, it may have been a very hard year. Could have had financial loss, disappointments, bad diagnosis broken relationship and in those cases christmas and new year's can be some of the hardest times of the year so if that's been the case how does going through those trials change how you approach this new year does it give you great clarity and draw you to god or cause you to pull back from relationship with him and we ought to also stop and address a couple of places we could fall off the rails right um God isn't saying that we need to become hermits and ascetics and go and live and have no possessions, right? He commands us other places. He commands us to work. He commands us to provide for our families. 
You know, he, he commands us, to, he says, go and have a business. You know, so, so doing things that are taking reasonable care of ourselves and planning the future are things that God approves of. The other place you could fall off is making money and I have so much insurance and so much savings that I don't really need God anymore. Because there isn't anything that's secure, right? Uh, any of that could be wiped away immediately. God is our only security. So the, the thing is that, that Jesus is saying here is that finances and possessions must not be the basis of our security or happiness. See, the issue with possessions and finances isn't that they're good or bad. But we shouldn't be too quick to give them a pass because they aren't neutral. All right? Um, they easily draw our hearts away from a focus on the Lord and eternity. They're tools, but they're kind of like fire as a tool. Fire is a tool that can be used to bake our food, and it can burn the house down. It's dangerous if it's not used properly. Finance, possessions and, and uh, finances are the same way. We must be always submitted to the Lord and asking His guidance for their use. So how about turning over to Luke chapter 12? In verse, um, I'm going to start in verse 15 actually. And he said, this is a person who didn't quite get it right. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, anytime that says, but God, that's a good time to listen. Uh, but God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have repair, prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. An interesting thing about this, you know, we, I think my tendency, I think many of our tendency is to say, well, you know, it's sinful to, to do lay up our treasure for ourselves. That's not really the point Jesus is making here, is it? He doesn't say, look how sinful this guy was. What he's saying is, this guy's not smart. He's saying he's foolish. Okay? He's saying, lay treasure for yourself. Say, he just made a really bad investment. So I want us all to reflect for a moment. Where's our treasure? So if, we take out, if I take out my checkbook and I start going through and saying, well, where have I spent? I may start learning where I treasure. Where, where, where's my treasure really? Okay. Or maybe I take out my phone and I'm looking at my calendar. Where have I decided to spend my time? Hmm. Maybe that thing is more important to me than I thought it was. Maybe it's what do, where do I find my mind going when I have a little extra time? What are my heart, my dreams? Those things help to show what our treasure is. 
Again, the problem with all of these pursuits is that God is the only one that can provide the full satisfaction that we really deeply desire. We tend to feel that in life we're making a choice between what will make us happy and what God wants us to do. When actually the opposite is true. Our happiness and God's plan are not at odds. I'll say that again. Our happiness and God's plan are not at odds. They're the same thing. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis, which is actually um, preached just over 75 years ago in June of 1942. There was a little other stuff going on in the world when that was, this was preached. It's come from a sermon called The Weight of Glory. And he says, Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Far too easily pleased. If you don't believe that, think of how extravagant God is in the way he has designed us. He gave us taste buds and amazing broad variety of tastes that we get to enjoy. He gave us beautiful sights that our eyes get to enjoy. The, the, the beauty of a small flower that we get to see. He's just extravagant in the way he does things. He gave us ears to hear and the, and the music of chirping birds. It's amazing. You know, when we are fully satisfied and, and joyful in God, then he gets the most glory. Put another way, John Piper says it this way, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So if you and I have tried seeking joy and satisfaction from these things in 2017, we know that they're not truly satisfying. Their benefits are only temporary. They aren't capable of bringing maximum joy by themselves. So why not make a conscious decision to turn 180 degrees from that to explore God's design for bringing to joy? And we might do that by starting with the next verse. To invest our treasure like you believe in eternity. It brings lasting rewards. It says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And just like we saw, but he said, stop doing this. When he says, lay up for yourselves. He's saying, start doing this or keep on doing this and do it as a lifestyle. This isn't a one-time thing. You need to be doing this as a matter of a way of living, a pattern of living. Because remember what we just heard. We don't want to be fools. That's what he called the guy who put his... His treasure in the wrong place. And we don't want to be foolish. So there's, how do we lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven? Well, there's not really a one size fits all. One answer we could see over in Luke uh, chapter 12, verse 33. He says, sell your possessions. And give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, 
where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Hmm, I think we've heard that last sentence before. But see how he connects our giving with treasure in heaven? You also see that he says it will not fail. You know, treasure in heavens that does not fail. I don't know of any investment advisor that can give you that promise. You know, not only does he give you an investment that will never go away, it's absolutely secure, it can never be taken away, but it also can never be exhausted. That's a pretty amazing kind of investment. But I'll ask you again, do we handle our treasures like we believe there is, that eternity is true? Imagine you're on a, a long airplane trip, okay? Um, and we'll say it's, you know, we're going to New York, right? So four-hour airplane trip. What would you think if the person in the seat across the aisle from you started hanging curtains and put in a little pot plant, a few knickknacks on the armrest, and you think, what's the deal? We're only going to be on this for a few hours. But isn't that the way our life here is compared to eternity? So if we truly believe in eternity and we want to invest there, think about the, what treasures do we have that we can invest. You know, we, as we said, we tend to think that treasure means finances, and it mostly is in this passage, but we want to be intentional with all of the resources that God has entrusted to us. And in fact, <clears throat> God talks about rewarding us three other times in chapter 6, and it's for things related to giving and praying and fasting, right? So there's a lot of reward talked about. So as we approach 2018, let's slow down for a moment and take stock of how we're investing our treasures. We all have treasures. And we're all going to be investing them in some way. And even deciding not to consider this and deciding not to make a decision is making a decision that we're just going to do it haphazardly and, and, and based on a whim at some point. So what are some things? Our minds. Um, we have an amount of mental energy and a capacity for le- learning. Romans 12.2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So including time with Him. Including, like, if you're like me and you sort of wake up brain dance some mornings, you have a reading plan that says, Hey, dummy. Go read this next, all right? So it gets you in there and gets overcomes that inertia you may have in the morning. Um, so if we're going to learn to go more deeply with God and, and using our mind, I have to do it very frequently because my heart leaks. Doing it once a week, it'll be gone. So time. What about if I look at my calendar and say, does this thing that I'm going to do, does that have an eternal purpose? Maybe building relationship with my family. It may be, and it may be something great. But giving my time to the Lord, you know, what is this thing crowding out? Especially with kids and sports and busy schedules, none of those are inherently bad, but they can become our primary purposes and overcome our community and family. It can be things like Netflix, Facebook, and other things. What about energy? We spend energy doing a lot of things. What about energy we spend doing ministry? Whether it would be teaching or caring or doing, you know, caring for somebody through a Stephen ministry, caring for preschoolers or holding a baby 
or serving in some other ways. Um, you've heard recently about our critical needs in our pre-K area and kids and youth, um, holding babies, things like that. Um, sometimes we don't commit because we sh- aren't sure that a task is a great fit. And sometimes we don't believe that there's a need. Just so that we're clear, we need you, all right? There is a need for people uh, in our church to, to step up and, and help people. I love the, the statement that was in Denison form. Jim Denison is a guy in Dallas that writes a, a blog every day. And he said, be of use where you are. Because you certainly cannot be of use where you are not. So where you are, find something, start serving. All right? Ina would love to talk to you about that son. And Ryan, Grant, Stephen, they've all got places they would love to put you to work. What about our relationships? We can invest in eternity by being in community with other believers, being purposeful about those relationships. God talks about it in ways like iron sharpens iron and a cord of three strands is not quickly or easily broken. We help each other grow. We care for one another. What about changing from social media to face-to-face? Or how about when we are face-to-face, putting away the social media and being with the people we're with and just really being present in that time? For a student, it might be going and sitting with somebody at school who's kind of by themselves or the new kid. Reaching out, doing something a little uncomfortable. It might be for us also seeking out somebody who's a little farther down the road from us and saying, hey, could we get together? I see how you're walking with the Lord, and I'd like to grow in walking with the Lord too. And I was wondering if we could spend a little time together in a discipleship sort of relationship. What about experiences? I'm going to go do something. Hey, could I involve somebody else with this? Yeah. Or if I do this, what does that mean I can't do? Because of either the money or the time that it's going to take. What about finances? That was the main point of this passage after all, right? So we can invest in eternity by being good stewards. With our giving and our spending. And of course, our finances aren't really our finances. Because God owns it all. And we're stewards, right? We're managing what belongs to someone else. And giving really starts with spending. Spending in a way that allows us to be obedient in giving. And so that way we can be obedient in giving to the Lord because we've planned for it. Giving to things like the church. To see changed lives. To see outreach. To see missions. To see God uh, work to bring people across the world to joy in Him. To be renewed and refreshed. What if you were uh, alive and you were living in the South near the end of the Civil War? And you had a bunch of Confederate money. You'd done well. But it's the end of the Civil War. And you know that things aren't going uh, where the South is going to win, obviously. This money is not going to be worth very much pretty soon. What are you going to do with it? Does it make sense to stockpile it? Or would you invest it in something so that after the war you would have a return for it? That's where we are today I love the uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 
verse 17, he says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So you're beginning to see how our happiness and God's plan are not at odds. If the Lord would convince each of us deeply in our hearts of the truth of this word, how it would free us from the futility of our own pursuits and free us to enjoy him. So naturally, we all want maximum joy and we want not just temporary satisfaction. And we can understand that investing in eternity will bring some lasting rewards. But for this to become our way of living, we need to know how to motivate our hearts. Determination and discipline only get us so far, like maybe to January 3rd. Ask ask anybody who runs a health club uh, what happens at the beginning of the year. Um, Remember that 68%, only 68% of the people followed through in their resolutions. We can't do this by ourselves. It takes more than our intellect and our discipline, though it does take both our intellect and our discipline. We need to have our emotions and our desires changed. You see, our hearts will follow our treasure. The third part of our passage show this. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, note that the, you know, the, the passage from Luke said the same thing. Where your treasure is, there will your heart will be also. And that was in a different time, in a different place, in a different situation. So the Holy Spirit must really want us to see that because he's saying it twice in two different situations. You notice that Jesus is telling us that our most cherished possessions and our deepest motives and desires are inseparable. So if we want our, change, or want our hearts to be changed, then we should put our treasure in the place that we want our hearts to go. A minute ago, I asked you to think about where your treasure is and where your finances and your calendars and what your preoccupations might show. That might be a little discouraging, but there's great news because what we do with our time, our money, and our efforts doesn't just indicate when our, where our heart is. It determines where our heart goes. So there's an opportunity for change. And I found this to be very true in our own life. Um, When we started supporting a missionary, say in Guinea or Thailand or Kenya, then my heart starts going to those places. And I, I, I listen to the news and I hear things that are happening in those countries and I start caring about them more. When I start supporting the church, I care more about the church's ministry and the church's health. And in just the same way, when I buy a new possession, I find myself thinking about it and maintaining it. Uh, I still remember, um, this would have been about 1987, uh, over all greasy, uh, standing over the engine of my 1964 Ford pickup that we were rebuilding with my Sunday school teacher after it had seized and him saying, John, the more you possess, the more it will possess you. And, and that's true. You know, we, we spend time maintaining stuff. So let's read those three verses again. 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when I want my heart to go a different place, in the past it was things like when God prompted us to increase our giving, it was letting go of some desires, letting go of some resources. That I, I had some things that I could buy with those that I really kind of wanted. It was a little scary at first. And it was a decision that we made, and then God moves our hearts. He brought, it was, it was dis- discipline and decision that then became joy. He brought my heart along, seeing that God provided. And now giving has become a very joyful thing. Uh, saying, look what the Lord is allowing us to do, what he's provided us the resources to do. And that's a lasting joy. Or when I started giving up more time to things that were uh, maybe church-related, awkward at first, a decision at first. I've got this other thing I'd kind of like to be doing, but I think probably the Lord wants me to do this other thing. Made a decision. Committing those the things in thoughtfully then brings fulfillment. Because I do those things and I say, oh my goodness, look at the amount of joy and fulfillment I have from a lasting outcome of that investment of time. So on an ongoing basis for me, this primarily means looking at my calendar and my spending and holding them before the Lord. It's not a one-time thing. Because my heart leaks. I'm fallen and sinful. Remember, we're laying up for ourselves on an ongoing basis. Then seeing what opportunities he's brought before us. So I'll ask you this morning, what is it for you? Why don't you bow with me? What is it that the Lord is laying on your heart this morning? Are you doing life in a way that will bring you the most joy and the greatest treasure? It also gives God the glory that only he deserves. He wants you to be maximally joyful. He designed an extravagant and amazing world. Is he convicting that you've been investing in a way that's only temporary in earthly treasure? Investing in things that don't provide lasting joy or fulfillment. Is it a conviction about needing to invest in your treasure like you believe in eternity? Your time, your talent, finances, your experiences? Is it needing to move your heart by being purposeful about where you put your treasure? Because your heart will follow your treasure. That will bring you maximum joy in the Lord who is your ultimate treasure. I'm going to give you just a few moments to reflect on the way he might be leading you and to take that to God in prayer. And then I'll close this. Our Father God, We're thankful for your word. We're thankful 
that you can give us right vision. Vision that can see clearly the way you've designed the world. Father, that you've designed it in a way where our happiness and your command and your leading don't have to be in competition. Father, help us to see with these real eyes, with the blinders off. Father, would you bring us to great joy in you? Would you help us to be, as fellowship, a people who live 2018 in light of eternity with maximum joy that brings you the most glory? Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.